0: The Inside Ellen Road Podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit two Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds. Postcode LS five three AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello and welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue, and your YEP Chief Football Writer, Graham Smith. Uh, a bit of a difference to this week's episode, because it's probably the closest we've ever been geographically when recording one of these, Graham, um, You're just down the hallway, the Village Hotel in Blackpool, because yesterday evening, Thursday, November the 30th, was the National World Annual Awards. Um, and ever the professionals, the pair of us, were up bright and early to record this morning to ensure we don't miss a week. Um, how did we? Uh, how did we get on at the awards, Graham?
1: Uh very well. Uh, we we were uh, crowned the best podcast in the company, um, and we should stress as well that that's not the best podcast at the YEP, um, because obviously that wouldn't be such a grand achievement. Um, but it's the best podcast in our company that owns uh, various newspapers like the Scotsman and the Yorkshire Post and um, some other kind of posh titles and various newspapers dotted around the country and in Northern Ireland. Um, so yeah, we, we, uh, we did all right. We got a nice little trophy. We, we do have a nice little trophy. Um, and how did you do personally? Uh, I did okay as well. Um, joint winner, joint, not outright, joint winner uh, of the uh, Sports Journalist of the Year. Um, sharing it with a, a guy called Mark Dunford, very very worthy winner himself. So uh, I did j- say to him on the, way up to the podium that he could have it for six months and then and then I would take over. But they very kindly handed us each a trophy. Um, and then one of our colleagues very kindly dug out that picture of the charity shield being hoisted aloft by two captains, <laughs> which I think is very appropriate, very very <laughs> appropriate
0: and very funny. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, thank you to, to everyone who's listened to the podcast, uh, everyone who's shared it and, and given us some positive feedback, um, or even people who've coined less than um, complimentary nicknames for the pair of us, um, because I suppose it's all contributed to, um, to to us being nominated for that. So thank you very much. Um, but yeah, on to the, the important stuff. Leeds United um, winning in midweek against Swansea. It's Middlesbrough this weekend. And... Yeah, straight from here, you're going to go and speak
1: to, to Daniel Farker today, aren't you? Yeah, hot-footing it across the Thorpe Arch um, to find out if there's actually any news at all to be had from Daniel Farker today, because it all feels um, quite, uh, I wouldn't say uneventful, because the game itself was was quite dramatic. But for the first time in a long, long, long time, Leeds had only one injury absentee. That was Stuart Dallas, the, the long-term one. Uh, everyone else, you know, the question marks had all been removed. Um, and while Jed Spence didn't play, he was part of the squad, um, which was a talking point in itself. Um, so yeah, we'll be off across to Thorpebridge today to find out if uh, if everyone came through that okay, and you know where Jed Spence is. I suppose in, in relation to match minutes, um, I, I imagine still he's going to be drip fed in. You know, it'll be it'll be appearances off the bench until he's until he's fully match fit. But um, I think the game in midweek uh, against Swansea it answered or partly answered the the kind of the lingering question mark hanging over the squad and Farca as a whole, when it comes to their killer instinct, you know, I, I think about not only the games that they didn't win against Stoke, uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, against Rotherham more recently, where they really should have won and they had enough chances to win. I think about the wins, like the Huddersfield game at home, you score four goals in the first half and then just kind of took the foot off the gas. A little bit in the second half Plymouth as well they, they won that game but they could have won it had a canter um it, it all just adds up to make you wonder do they have the, the the ability to be consistently ruthless to just get what they deserve you know when they deserve it and and they deserved wins in all those games and um yeah the Swansea game was was a good sign I think because uh it could have gone another way because of the way the game started and and Leeds they got the result and the score line you know that they deserved they probably could have won 6-1 to be honest but but 3-1 was enough in the end
0: yeah one of the things that you you said after the game or rather you asked after the game was was Michael Duff the Swansea manager you know just how um just how effective and how terrifying they that, that front Leeds United front four can be to opposition coaches um, and he replied with, which four? Because, of course, Leeds have Willy Nyonto and, and Jaden Anthony on the bench and Patrick Bamford as well um, to come on in place of Routier or, or Pirro. Um And, you know, to an extent, he's right. I mean, you look at the the goal contributions that that front four, at least the starting front four, have this season. You know, Somerville already in double figures for for goals and assists. Um, Routier, another one who's in double figures for goals and assists. Um, I believe that Dan James is maybe one short. He might already be in there, um, and then you've also got um, Piro as well. Who, yes, if he got a few more assists, I think he'd be he'd be on ten for, for goal contributions as well. So, I mean, it's
1: it's kind of all going to plan. It is. They have forty one goal contributions between them, which I think is remarkable at this stage. Yeah. Um, Somerville is on fire and largely unstoppable. You know when he gets into that what we should probably call his office, just to the side, left side of the box and cuts in towards the right. Um, but he's creating goals as well. And rutair you know, we should talk at length about his goal, really, but even just about that first touch for the goal. Uh, but he's, he's now got seven assists. Um, he's created 16 big chances, at least, in the championship. It's what lies beneath, I think, that is going to be really key for Leeds. Because at some stage... Somerville might be injured, return might be injured, or they might need a rest, and uh, or also even in just in games where the, the the starting four play but then come off. I think Bamford, Jaden Anthony, uh, Yonto, and Jan Paveda are going to have to start weighing in with more goals and assists of their own. You know they're going to have to add a a more significant end product contribution, and and it's difficult because they're coming into games late. You know quite often it's only a, a short cameo. But if Leeds had the same potency throughout the game, you know, no matter which combination was in the attack, then they really would be a very frightening prospect. And I, I don't think anyone would would score as many goals in the in the division as them. I just don't think anyone else can say we've got a front eight, if you like, you know, two front fours like like this. Um, but Farker must be absolutely delighted because there was no guarantees that that Rutter was going to catch fire and 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 just be so invested in Leeds United in the way he is. Somerville, I think, was a pretty safe bet. Um Dan James, though, you know, the, the end product he's adding, I think is going to be far and away his best return in a championship season if he carries on at this rate. Uh and um and Pierrot as well. I mean he's a proven goal scorer at this level. So you would expect him to to be up there with 20 goals. Um so yeah it's yeah Farkin must be very pleased
0: um not as pleased as you were by the the food offered up at Ellen Road in midweek um i mean a few dietary requirements on your side but um
1: they they were very very catering for you it, one of one of the, the joys of my life is the look on popey's face when what he's offered is vastly different to what i'm offered because i can't eat what he's eating and uh, legion united really stepped up on wednesday night i had a a lime green, it didn't taste like lime, it was just lime green in color, a lime green uh, sesame seed bun with a deep fried mushroom kind of burger with some coleslaw in there as well and these like um, wedges, like crinkly wedges. Uh, it was, it, I, I have to say, it was up there with the, probably the top five, top 10 uh, fare that I've been supplied since I started covering Leeds, uh, home or away.
0: Very good. I believe they're called waffle fries as well.
1: There we uh, go. Waffle fries technical yeah. technical
0: term. Yeah. If if you had the opportunity, would you would you have that burger again? Or would you watch Jorginho Rutte's goal for the first time again?
1: Oh um I'd definitely eat the burger because I'm largely a selfish human being. But um <laughs> that, that goal was uh I mean that first touch was ridiculous, wasn't it? plucking the That's ball just, down yeah. at the air. And what, what I liked about it was he'd been throwing up the arms uh, and giving it the, the Gaelic shrug because he'd been making those runs in behind and people hadn't been spotting it or they'd been opting to keep the ball and recycle it instead of playing it long for him. And Ampadu, first half half-stoppage time, the game's 1-1. Um, it's kind of drifted for a long time, the game. Leeds were almost very good in the first half in, in lots of their work. Lots of through balls that almost made it and counterattacks that were almost on, um, nearly moments. And then Ampadu just looks up and, and just pings it over the top of the last defender. And to bring the ball down, when you're you're facing away from the sender, the ball's dropping down over your shoulder uh, to, to kill it. like that. I mean it was that touch was as good as any Jack Harrison supplied at, at Ellen Road. Um, he absolutely killed it dead. And, and took it on in his stride into the area. And the finish was uh, ice cold, as Daniel Farka uh, said a couple of times after the game. Um, that's exactly what you want from your centre forward. And it's probably been the only thing you could criticise Routier mm-hmm. for, because his work rate has been phenomenal. His hold-up play, his link-up play have been great. He, he mucks in, you know, he gets back and helps out. Um, he's there, you know, for defending corners, but it's just been his finishing that's been the, the little fly in the ointment. And, uh, and that was that was super, really good finish.
0: I mean, speaking of good finishes, you look at the, the goal which Daniel James scored as well. Um, again, another player who has maybe been criticized for his finishing, um, criticized for his composure in the final third. You know, I mean, it's it's countless times since he signed for Leeds that, you know, we've seen him go clean through on goal and, you know, blast one into the side netting or, or well over the bar. But again, similar to the, the, the two finishes that he had against uh, Huddersfield, that one against Swansea, on Wednesday night was 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 composed. It was calm. It was measured, um, and ultimately was was the difference between you know a nervy ending to the game, and actually a, a quite comfortable
1: finish. Well, both of his finishes were good. I thought you know the one that was disallowed on forty seconds well, was a great goal. A really lovely pass from Ruteir across the area, um, and I'm just going to take the linesman's word on it because I haven't seen an angle that that suggests he was onside. Uh, then Swansea break of course and um and stick the ball in the, the back of the Leeds net within seconds. Um yeah Dan James he can frustrate people because there's times when he'll he'll lash at it. Uh but this time he the run was good, the pass from Ruter was good. He takes a touch and then just roofs it. You know, he did lash at it, but he but he controlled the finish um and sent it into the roof of the net. Um he's been a I think he's been a bit of a revelation this season, mm. Dan James, because he's doing yeah. all the things that that we knew of him. You know, he he's he's doing all the running, he's doing the defending, he's getting into good areas, his pace is helping on the counter-attack. but you know, his his goals and assists now are um is that nine in total? He's got nine? I think it's nine. Yeah. I think it's um, four four goals, five assists or five goals, four assists. So I think, yeah, I think it might be five, five, five and four. Um after eighteen games of the season even accounting for the drop-in standard from the Premier League, the championship, I don't think many would have predicted that he would be... Because I honestly don't think many would have predicted he'd be starting. I think everyone yeah. assumed right back at the start it would be Sinistera and Somerville uh, or Nyonto and Somerville. I don't think anyone saw James keeping Nyonto sitting down on the bench for this long. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he carries on in, in that vein, yeah, it, like I said earlier... It'll probably be his best season in the in the championship ever. So they've just got to keep they've got to keep these players in form. And I suppose that the big the big thing for Farka is whatever the the recipe to success for consistency is. You know, is it just allowing them to enjoy their football and saying keep going, keep doing what you're doing, um, or is there a way that he can make it even better so that they're not just scoring three in games, they're scoring four and five. Yeah, I mean. It- you look at the, the the level of opponent that Leeds have faced at home,
0: uh, and you know the. I mean, yes, there's been your QPRs, your Watfords, your Sheffield Wednesday. It won't always be of that calibre, and I suppose with with someone like Middlesbrough coming up, who you know under a good coach, under somebody who um, has really got them playing again after you know a difficult start to the season, it'll be a it'll be a good acid test to see just how um, how much of a fortress. Ellen Road is because obviously it's 10 games now this season that Leeds have gone unbeaten uh, in all competitions at, at home. Um, it's, I mean, it's a great standout figure, but again, you do have to apply the um, the caveat that, yes, this is the championship and this is a team in the championship that is, that probably has a a, a lower half Premier League squad or certainly lower half Premier League starting 11. Um, so, yeah, there does need to be some considerations made there, but you know, without wanting to sound too negative, um, the morning after we've won an award for this podcast, but um, you know, all good things come to an end. So <laughs> it's, I think it's I think it's probably um, prudent to use a, a bielserism to, um, to to just enjoy the getting while the getting's good um, and not overanalyze it too much. And that's why I've not been too too high on you know. Well, yes, they're winning games, but they're not obliterating teams. They're winning games. They haven't been doing that for two years. So, you know, enjoy it while it's good, um, because you know, if Leeds do get promoted, then it's not going to be a case of Leeds sitting at the top of the table next season. So, it's a it's a strange thing, you know, football supportership. Um, it is, but, and I
1: think that, I think what you're saying plays into the atmosphere a little bit at Elland Road. Yeah. I felt it was a little bit. Yes, there wasn't a great deal. You know, for first four minutes aside, there wasn't a great deal to get into in the first half. And it Ellen Road did feel flat at times. And I think it's because there's expectation. Now there's not the same urgency of we need to play our part here because we could go down. You know, that, that urgency that really fired up Ellen Road when Leeds had their backs against the wall and were were getting pummeled. Um they're expected to win, they're expected to beat these teams, and and I think. I don't know if I'd use the word complacency, but it certainly changes the dynamic of Elland Road. And, you know, there can be grumbles and, and frustrations when when the team, particularly because they didn't, I don't think they played brilliantly first half um, against Swansea. Um, I thought they played better second half and controlled the game very, very well. And, of course, got the third goal. But, um, you know, the, the entertainment factor uh I was having this chat with somebody in the stairwell on the way down to the, the press conference. They are entertaining when they score goals this Leeds team and the the goals that they score are very eye-catching nice goals. But they're not uh they're not a a 100 miles per hour team. You know, they're not constant relentless attacks um and transition um in the way that the Bielsa Leeds team was. The Bielsa Leeds team was swashbuckling you would say. It was just all out Go for it. Go for the, you know, foot on the throttle, whatever you want to call it. This Leeds team is a bit more controlled, I would say. That they recycle the ball a lot, they keep the ball a lot, and they probe and they and they, and they push. Um, and then when they do hit the throttle, they, they tend to score lovely goals. But um, there can be faces in games where it's not a thrill a minute. Um, and like the second half at Rotherham, yeah yeah where it was where it was largely you know we have 75% of the possession but you know we don't do we don't always do an incredible amount with it um but we've got the possession so the opponent can't score um i suppose you just have to that's one of those things you just have to accept when your team's winning you know you have to you have to say well actually we're winning games we're third in the table we're keeping pressure on um yes there's been a few blips here and there but six wins in a row at home is that that's ruthless you know yeah that that is ruthless form that's the kind of form that that puts you in the playoff picture as a serious contender um so i don't think there'll be too many quibbles from people if there are stages in games where leads are not absolutely flying but i suppose we should also say that there have been games where when they've been up the likes of rutaire have provided the entertainment you know, mm. the individuals have provided the entertainment because it's been all the skills and the tricks and the flicks and the turns. That's when this Leeds team is, is really flying and is really entertaining. Um, it's more of an individual thing, I would say, than the, the collective entertainment they provided under Bielsa. Um, but it's a very, very different team, isn't it, to, to Bielsa's team? Um, and it's it's obviously going to be a different season then than the one that uh, that, that Bielsa's lot put together. Um, and I think what's really interesting is that we are now seeing probably for the first time that Leeds are moving on. They're moving on with the Bielsa stalwarts. They're not moving on from them. They're moving on with them, but they are moving on because no longer do they rely on Luke Ayling, Stuart Dallas, Liam Cooper, Patrick Bamford. Those are not the players that are the first names on the team sheet. um, And they're playing a very, very different role this season. And I think Wednesday night felt like a little bit of a watershed moment in that regard with Luke Ayling not able to make the matchday squad first time since august 2022 i think
0: and that was because there there was no injury uh, as far as as far as we're we're aware Um, no there was no injury no injury it was just a
1: selection thing
0: yeah Uh, speaking of sort of the old guard then if you will because i know that a lot of people would be quite loyal to to the the players that secured promotion three years ago um and rightly so because you know they were part of an incredible team um but just playing on your your point about sort of moving on with them um you know they are very much in the building but you look at the contract situation um Luke Ayling Liam Cooper and Stuart Dallas all have deals which are expiring next summer um do you, i don't know do you feel as though the way that this team is evolving is maybe Daniel Farker looking at the bigger picture and thinking well you know we we might not necessarily have these players next season regardless of which division we're in we need to i don't know i wouldn't say dependency but we need to sort of reduce the well essentially move on is is that is that a fair fair assumption to make or is it would you you say it's just
1: part of the course i think that's just a natural that's just a natural thing that should happen it should probably already have started to happen Leeds shouldn't have had to they definitely shouldn't have had to rely on patrick bamford as much as they did in the last two seasons you know because even when he was injured Everyone was looking to, when's Bamford back? You know, we need to get Bamford back and fit and into the side. Um, and and they missed him so much when he wasn't in the team. You know, they missed his, his hold-up play. They missed the way he leads the press. They missed that physical presence and focal point for the attack. Um, and, yeah, it shouldn't have been that way. It They already should have started to gradually have other players step up into those roles um but this scene it just so happens that Fark has managed it this season you know, he's he's managed it quite early on as well you know that, that he's managed mm. to put Pascal Stroik in a position where he's now so influential for Leeds particularly in possession that there is no place for Liam Cooper when when Pascal is fit or that has certainly been the case to date Cooper's still going to play as he as he has done but he's not going to start anywhere near as many games as he used to ailing is probably most up against it because you know bamford's the the other center forward you know the other number nine in the squad so he is going to see minutes but ailing has got jed spence who we're all expecting to to play quite a significant part once he's fit and firing there's also archie gray who who turns out to be a very solid right back as well as a you know a midfield prodigious talent so it's going to be even harder for ailing to to get into the match day squad and it was almost it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have felt this way for ailing but for Leeds it was almost a, a tearing off of the the plaster on Wednesday night you know like the the short sharp shock of wow you know Luke ailing's been dropped from the match day squad mm. I think now that that's that's happened it it will it won't feel quite as stark when it happens again. But it was really interesting what Farkas said. You know, when, when he was asked about Ailing and how difficult that was, you know, he really went to town on just how difficult he found the decision because he values Ailing as a person and, and the contribution he plays. And it was nice that he, he gave us that insight into the dressing room and the way Ailing was, went round and, and G'd everybody up, gave the manager a hug, even though he probably wanted to kill him, as Farkas <laughs> said. Um, I, I think from a from the player's point of view, they're faced with a choice, aren't they, of, well, I can make it about me. And I can, I can sulk, uh, and I can maybe look at January and think, you know, I need to get out of here and play football. Or they can look at the team and what the team needs, and it sounds to me like that's what Cooper and Ailing, when they've not been playing this season, have have done. You know, that's that's the terms that Farkas speaking about. He's talking about their contribution um, to the team and to the squad and and the role that they're playing, and making sure that everybody's on it in training, and making sure that the players at the head of them have to train really well to keep them out of the squad. Um, It's the way it should be, isn't it? But it's not the way it always goes, but they are faced with a decision, aren't they, as to how they're gonna respond to it. And to date, it sounds like their response has been exemplary. Um,
0: Speaking of sulking, it sounds an awful lot like you uh, at the awards, having to share your
1: Journalist of the Year award. (laughs) That is not a fair and accurate representation. I was delighted to share my award. If anything, it makes it more special Joe, when you share an award with someone else who I'm I'm quite sure is every bit as good as I am, if not better. So um no, you're that's a completely unfair comment from you. The the charity
0: shield of of <laughs> journalism awards. Brilliant. Um and as well, you, you were you were reluctant to come up on the stage with, with myself when I went to collect the um the the podcast of the year award um I, I yesterday like, evening. Well,
1: that was that was twofold one I felt like you deserved your moment you know it's it's good to let the young pup have his have his moment um have his little moment in the sun but also when the names came up on the on the big screen from the uh the av guys it was only your name next to the El- inside on the <laughs> podcast so 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 i also felt that you know well, maybe they don't want me up there maybe they just want joe up there so i just i just thought no let him let him have his day this is just- this is really painting a picture of, of you here and, and
0: the word sulk is kind of coming back time and time again.
1: Um, you're bringing it back time and time again.
0: <laughs> correct. I am. Yeah. <laughs> For good reason. Cause it's funny. Um, but yeah, no, I mean uh, with, with the, 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 the old guard, shall we say, um, you know, you're calling me the young pup. You're maybe the old guard of this podcast. Um, <laughs> the, with, with the old guard, at Leeds, it does beg the question, you know, when, when will that happen with, with, with Bamford, because you know, he, how many times can he come on in games this season and not materially contribute? Because yes, he, he did against QPR, and he would have done against Stoke had he not missed the penalty. But you know, I don't know. Is 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 there an, is there an opportunity for somebody like Matteo Joseph? Because he's a pressing forward as well. He's very energetic. Um, is there is there a point where Daniel Farkas says, well, actually? I'd quite like to try somebody different in that position coming off the bench, trying to be an impactful player because, you know, I mean, the the Rotherham game, yes, he ended up being the the one who was offside for the the late Jaden Anthony goal. Um, But it it felt as though there wasn't a great deal else that that he did off the bench, Bamford. And that feels as though there's been a few occasions now where that has been the case. That's a really
1: interesting question. Um, Bamford's an interesting one because... I can see why Farka brings him on. I mean, it's not only to give Ruter a break, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think he'll say that Bamford's minutes are merited. But also, he does present a handful for centre backs and defenders. And he, if he does get the ball, you know, he can hold it up and he can take the sting out of the play and he can keep leads high up the pitch. um, Maybe take it to the corner. He looks absolutely desperate for a goal to me. And yeah. I wonder if that is playing a part in some of the finishing that we've seen. You know, ice hockey players talk about when they're in a, a goal drought, they start to clutch the stick a bit more tightly, you know, and they're they're tense, you know, they're they're thinking about the act of scoring so much that when it comes to trying to score, they're in their own heads. Um, Brendan Aronson talked about it in that interview, didn't he, about how he was obsessing over goals and assists so much that, Jesse Marsh said, you're not letting yourself play because you're, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. Um, now, I, I, I don't have an insight into Patrick Bamford's thinking, but as a striker... Should maybe, should maybe listen to his podcast then. Uh, <laughs> you know, also a good podcast. I'm sure he'll win many awards for that. I um, <laughs> uh, don't think he'll yeah, have to uh, share them. Well, in fact, do you think that he and
0: Joe Tomlinson will go up onto the stage together? Hand in hand. hand.
1: Yeah. I would like to, I'd like to think they go up hand in hand and almost like, you know, the, the, the joint leaders of a political party will stand on the stage, you know, hands, hands raised together. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that as a striker, he is desperate, absolutely desperate to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and so that he can contribute in the, in the way that he wants to, because yeah, coming on and holding the ball up and, and help him keep playing the right area of the pitch. That's all very well, but what he actually wants to do is put the ball in the net and and score goals. Um, and if he's not doing that, then it, it's, a, you know, the far, Farker then is faced with the decision, well, do I give Joseph a chance to show what he can do? Because he's not at Bamford's level yet, but he could potentially get to the mm. level that Bamford was at. So um, he's going to need opportunities to do that. Either out on loan for the rest of the season or at Leeds. Um, I feel like they're they're light enough in the centre forward position that he probably needs to stay for the rest of the season. And if he's to stay for the rest of the season, then then he probably needs a chance. You know, he needs a, an opportunity to get on the pitch. Um, so it, I guess it's all down to training, really. At the minute, you know what what Joseph does in training, he's going to have to muscle his way in there a bit, like you know, Perveda got his chance at Rotherham because he impressed the manager. In training, and and Farka does seem to be a manager who will give you a chance if you do the business at Thorpe Arch. Um yeah, I suppose as well.
0: I suppose as well with Bamford, it's not it's not exclusively his fault. You know, he's coming on at a time typically when Ruter, the most creative player in this team, and um, Somerville, the second most creative player in this team, are, are being subbed off. You know, so. <laughs> He might not be getting as many chances as you know Joe Pirro or whoever else is starting in in his place. Um, so there is there is that as well. But yeah, I mean it's just something which uh, which interested me. I was thinking about it the other day um, about you know at what point does Farker then make that decision? But I think you're right. I think it is uh, a case of whether he impresses a, a Thorpe Arch Joseph um, and whether he can, um, as you say, force his way in. It, it kind of leads into. A different debate altogether. You're talking about loans there. January is is coming up. It's you know less than a month until the window opens, and something we haven't discussed on on the pod is um, the fact that Michael Scubala has gone out to or he's left the club. He's gone to join Lincoln um, as their new head coach, and there's definitely the potential. I mean, it's an it's an easy assumption to make, but there's definitely the potential that some of Leeds' younger lads or peripheral players could drop down a division and go and play for Lincoln because especially the younger ones. I was looking at Lincoln's squad. I don't think there's a single player over the age of 30. It's a very, very young squad. Lots of their starting 11 are sort of between the ages of 22 and 24. You'd imagine that someone coming in from the Leeds sort of periphery would would acclimatise well. It's it's not that far from Leeds. Um, you can see why it might be a, a, a potential destination for, for some of the younger lads. Is I mean, can you see that happening? I mean, it'll probably not be more than one. But if there is one, who do you think is most likely to to end up there in January for sort of a
1: six-month loan stint? That's a good question. Um, Jacko did it, didn't he, when he went to MK Don's and took Mad Max Dean with him, um, who's had a bit of a purple patch recently, was still at MK Don's. Uh, if there was one that I could see, it would probably be Lewis Bate. Yeah. Um, it'd be Lewis Bate or it would be uh darko jb you know it'd be Mm. one of one of those two they really need to get out and play senior football um i would i would if i was you know being taken on in some sort of consultancy role if i was if i was to become the nick hammond of, of of lincolnshire um i would maybe caution against going too young uh or having too many young players come in in january because i've seen it happen in the football league and it doesn't always work out when you go when you go very young with all your, your January your January influx. Um, they can maybe do with an old head or two as well. But I certainly think someone like Bate, he can't be satisfied, shouldn't be satisfied with under-21s football at this stage. He's already been out and and did quite well at Oxford. Uh, I wonder if Oxford might have a look again at, at him because they know what he can do. Um, he needs to play men's football. JB, needs to play men's football jb was so highly rated and Leeds were really excited about it. Leeds paid five million pounds for him as a teenager you really should start to see some return on that investment by this stage and it has been a surprise to me and quite a few others i think that he hasn't kicked on for whatever reason you know he hasn't been part of the plans this season and when we did see him in in pre-season the little opportunities he got he didn't look like he was at the level. You know, he didn't look like he was, he wasn't banging on Farker's door and saying, I'm as good as Archie Gray. I'm as good as Ethan Ampadu. You can play me in the championship in centre midfield. And he hasn't got near it. So um, he's got to get out and, and do something about that uh, at a senior level. Um, and there's a few others as well, but you know, you know better than me, who really needs the game time, you know, at a, at a senior level, but those are the two that stand out.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you're right. Um, the one that I'd maybe put in with them, um, is Sean McGurk. Cause I think, I mean, if he's just turned 20, um, I'd love to see what he's capable of doing in men's football, because this season particularly, it looks as though he's kind of just gone up that level where, you know, players who, who shine at 21's level do, 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 do over six months. That's a nice little tongue twister. Um, and he has been the standout player for, for the for the twenty ones. Um, so I, I'd like to see what what his first taste of, of regular men's football would be, um, or whether he'd end up having a similar situation to what Sonny Perkins is is going through at, at Oxford. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was something a little bit left field to discuss on this week's pod, um, considering that we haven't haven't really covered Scoob's is is exit, um, and with the the January window coming up. So um, yeah, I mean. On to this weekend then, Middlesbrough, Michael Carrick, um, but obviously Sam Greenwood won't be able to to play, um, considering that he's he's on loan from Leeds, um, which is probably a, a bit a bit of a blow for, for Borough because he's been good for them. Um what do we what do we think the game's gonna pan out like? What have you made of Middlesbrough so far this season?
1: Um I would not claim to be an expert in in what is is going on at Middlesbrough, but I am expecting them to I'm not expecting them to embody the, the Sheffield Wednesday spirit when they come to Elland Road. I'm not expecting them to sit in two banks, um, two solid uh, red banks, and and let the white wave crash against them. I, I think they'll come and try and play. Um, there is a danger with coming to Elland Road and <clears throat> intending to play because you do leave yourself at the risk of transition. And if you cough up the ball, if Ethan Ampadu gets the ball off you, um, and you've committed bodies beyond the ball, then Leeds have players who are absolutely devastating on the counter attack. I mean, Somerville and Ruter must be horrible, horrible players. It must be a terrible thing if you're a midfielder and you go beyond, you make a run beyond the ball and your team loses it and you look up and you see that Somerville is heading towards the halfway line, you know, and you've got three or four defenders back. That must be a horrific experience. Um, harrowing, harrowing sight. Um, I think of Adam Forshaw, you know, at Norwich when um, when Somerville got sent away, you know, and Forshaw just knows I'm not catching him. <laughs> I'm <am laughs> not getting there. Um I've seen this film before. So, yeah, I think if they do come to play, they're going to have to be very, very, very good in possession um in Leeds half of the pitch. Um I'm actually quite looking forward to. it. I think we could actually have a good game. I mean, there have been teams that have played at Elland Road, Plymouth actually played some nice stuff. They didn't really come and um, park the bus. Um, you couldn't really say that Swansea did, but they just couldn't really get control of the game. Um, they had little, little moments, but but they they didn't ever really have control. Um, do you think this might be the first time that that Leeds might be in danger of not having more than fifty percent possession? Potentially, yeah, but I
0: I just think with, with how dominant Leeds are at home, I think there's a, probably a strong chance that, you know, Leeds will be the, the, the team that enjoys most of the ball. Um, you know, you look at their squad as well, and you look at the impact that Sam Greenwood's been able to have since he's gone on loan there. Um, not having him, I think, will affect uh, how Borough set up um but I mean they do have a, they do have a considerable amount of, of talent in there you know Isaiah Jones the the winger you know he's been good in previous seasons Morgan Rogers, um he's he's started to, to come into his own a little bit recently um in attack um you know even someone like Marcus Force who I think he was about two or three million pounds um from Brentford but again on occasion definitely knows where the back of the back of the net is and you know some some real Leeds links in this team as well. Morley's own Johnny Housen. Uh, Matt Crooks, I believe, is from Leeds. Um,
1: obviously, the, the Greenwood one's obvious. Uh, and Lewis O'Brien. Lewis the, O'Brien. The he never was. He's yeah, there. Lewis uh, O'Brien, who of course, played zero times for Leeds, but it feels like he was at Leeds because it was talked about so uh, so much. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, mean Mar-
1: the, Marcus Morris obviously,
0: any Dieng who, who was linked with Leeds felt like, Relentlessly, when he was still at QPR, and has ended up at Borough instead,
1: the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that Marcus Forrest is, you know, he's he's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and then you have uh, Don't we should call, it, we should call it, it a day. You don't win awards um, for that, Graham. You don't, you do not <laughs> win awards for that. I've got complacent already. Um, <laughs> Callum Kavanagh, uh in football manager terms, is a is a bit of a, has been a bit of a wonder kid. Um, so I don't know how that translates to modern day actual reality. Um, Paddy McNair, very very experienced. Um, is he actually playing this season? Let's. Yes, he is. He's playing a lot this season. Um, so so he'll be one to that will try and get control of the game for them. Um, I'll tell you who the one I'm I'm hopeful won't make
0: it from a Leeds perspective uh, because I think there's been some injury concerns for for Carrick. Um, it's Hayden Hackney who yeah. is an England under 21 international and you look at any sort of statistics in the championship this season and Hackney is 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 the business uh, in midfield and i think he would cause Leeds problems um
1: so who so who uh is it, is it going to be Ampadu, Ampadu's job or Kamara's job to take him out i mean i mean cover him not t- take him out <laughs> like hitman um
0: i think that'd be more Glenn Kamara's job similar to, you know, what he did on um, Ricardo Pereira against Leicester. I yeah. think that's probably more likely, um, than, than Ampadu. He, he is an attacking player, but, uh, Hackney, but he can drop off a little bit deeper. And, um, I think given that Leeds will have most of the ball, he will probably be in that deeper position more often. Um, but yeah, he's, he's one who might not make it. He might not pass a late fitness test. So, um, there's the potential there that, you know, if you've got Greenwood out of the team, if you've got Hackney out of the team, um, I mean, they lost chubac Akpalm, didn't they, in the summer to, to Ajax, and um, they had a few uh, players who were on loan um, who had to leave, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's not the borough of last season, but they are still a force a force to be reckoned with. I see, you've got me saying it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was actually I was actually going to use the actual term without the slapstick reference to Marcus Force,
1: but yeah, um, the um, the role that uh, Joel Pirro plays will probably be as important as it was at Leicester, not to the same degree because Leeds are at home and will be will be attacking more of the time I would say than than they were at Stages at Leicester, but the amount of running that he does to drop back in and to to cover midfielders, you know, when they got when Leeds go man to man. Um, I think is a massively underrated part of his game. And um I asked Farco about that on Wednesday night, about the distances that Pirro covers and, and the athleticism he needs in that role and whether or not that's a natural thing, because he doesn't have the shape of a the world's most natural runner. He's not like a wiry Matthias Click, you know, who who carried point five percent body fat or whatever during the Bielsa days. Um who was like a he was a bit like built like a whippet, wasn't he? Um, still is Pirro's a bit stouter than that but he is covering great distances and Farkas said they had to work quite hard on his fitness when he first arrived to get him in the shape to be able to do that because it's not the role he played at Swansea you know it, it. there's a little bit more to it in terms of running than that um, but yeah just keep an eye on him on, on Saturday and see because one minute he'll be dropping in you know beyond halfway to try and get on the ball and help Leeds progress it and the next he's on the edge of the area, you know, trying to get on the end of a, a cutback to score, um, and it, it. I know that we're still getting people saying pero and Ruteir should swap. They're not going to swap. It's no. not going to happen.
0: Not, um, not at least not from a formation point of view. But they have occasionally sort of switched positions in yeah, the, they do. Of the game. When yeah. when one yeah.
1: drops, you know, the other one fills in. Yeah, yeah, they do. And Pero makes those runs as well on the last shoulder uh, as well as Ruter. Um my my mention of Football Manager there, Joe, has has uh, reminded me that I wanted to talk about uh, Football Manager briefly, um, because I've been playing the mobile yeah, this version. This podcast is available for sponsorship if any Football Manager commercial executives <laughs> are listening. Um, yeah, there's a there's a Leeds fan that works quite high up in in Football Manager. His job is basically to play it, I think, uh, and, and test stuff. Sounds terrible. Um, I've been playing the mobile version, and I'm I'm managing Fulham very successfully and, and I thought I had a, have a little scout around to see what the football manager what what the future holds according to football manager for Leeds players. And let me tell you Joe, there's some there are some eye catching and eyebrow raising headlines to come from my uh we'll call it research. Um my research into football manager, <clears throat> strictly for work. Um Archie Gray, right, in my game is now 28. Okay, so time has passed. He's playing for Chelsea. Oh no. He's playing for Chelsea, which why why'd you have to start with that one? Uh I wanted to get the bad news out of the way first. Um, of okay. a, a, the, the bad news. He he made a twenty three point seven nine very specific million pound move to Stamford Bridge in twenty twenty four. So he didn't even he didn't hang around, did he? Leeds you know, Leeds could only hang on to him for, for a single season in the game. And then he went to Chelsea. Um but on the upside, he has got himself forty five international caps for Scotland. So okay. um, there we go. Yeah. So so there's the bit we that should, please me. Yep. Um Pascal Stroik has got sixty seven caps for Belgium. So he interesting. He, he gave up the Dutch dream and settled for, for Belgium. Um he's at Brentford. Uh, Brendan Aronson is in the Championship, bless him, with Crystal Palace. Uh, He didn't leave Leeds until 2032. Um, I'm not sure that I can see that panning out. Uh, I know Brendan can, but I don't know (laughs) if I can see that. Um, Ilan Melier is at Inter Milan. Um, He's still worth 16 mil at the age of 34. He's got four French caps, uh, but he has been about a bit. He went to Villa first, then Lyon, and then to Inter, um, with whom he won the Champions League. So well done. Well done. Uh, as as first-choice goalkeeper, or was he... You know first the choice. Reserve? No, oh, okay. first choice. Uh, Jorginho Ritter <laughs> is with Luton uh, <laughs> Reserves. Luton Reserves. Really? <clears throat> he went to Manchester United in 2025 uh, oh. and won nothing. So, so unfortunately, Georgie, you got exactly what you deserved there, I think. Um, and he's ended up in, at Luton, uh, where it hasn't gone to plan. Uh, Willy Nianto... Is the only original Leeds player still at Leeds? Uh, that, isn't that, that isn't that one for the books? That Interesting. Isn't, isn't, the, the fella who wanted out has decided to be the fella who stays. Um, uh, but actually, he had to come back because he he spent three years with Birmingham and then Leeds bought him back. Um, and Rasmus Christensen, uh, he I think he's retired now but he got sent off four times in the 24 25 season um that was about the height of it for Rasmus I'm, a, I'm amazed um, that you've been able to actually manage a
0: team while you've been keeping tabs on all these intricate details <laughs> um and and the last thing I'll say is that I've, I've actually i've actually i'm amazed that you've been able to do your job in real life um that you've you've been playing this game for what was it what is it
1: 11 years in the game if archie is um, yeah. 28 yeah, maybe maybe 10 years in the game. Um, yeah, I, I, what I would say is that the game goes by very quickly, Joe. It's not that I've spent an extensive amount of hours on it. And I did have a week off that you have to factor And It should be said that I had a week off during this time. So just in case the bosses are listening. Uh, and the final thing I'll say is that Leeds got promoted in the 2023 season. Thanks in chief to Joel Pirro's 31 championship goals and Dan James's 10 assists. Uh, they're still in the premier league now so when they go up they stay up uh and Jordi alba is of course their their manager now
0: naturally yeah
1: i can see naturally. that um,
0: that's definitely that's a big 49ers hire isn't it so um, so you
1: take you know you take whatever you want from all of that um but i think you know promotion was the big the big takeaway for me that, that even the game knows that leeds should really go up this season right from, uh, prediction time, I nearly said promotion time. Um, save that for six months' time.
0: Um, prediction time for this weekend against Middlesbrough. What do you uh, What do you anticipate?
1: Uh, a two one victory.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with one nil to Leeds. I think it's going to be a very tight game, but I think you have to look at the the form book and say that Leeds are the form team in this division, and you have to be winning your home games. Simple as
1: that. Uh, when are we going to see Archie Gray try and crack one in from thirty yards? By the way. I feel like he's holding back. Well, you might need to hold back a little bit more because, you know,
0: Chelsea are lurking for 23.79 million <laughs> by the sounds of it. So, um, you know, yeah, if he doesn't want to will... crack them in, that's fine. Yeah, That's totally fine, Archie. Um, Play within yourself. Play very much exactly. within yourself. Yeah. Maybe that's the whole reason why he put, by uh, Daniel Farker put him back to right back. You know, just that little bit further from the goal.
1: Yeah. yeah. I should also say before we go, just apologize to anyone watching on Shots TV that I, today, for some reason, due to the lighting in this hotel room, resemble, you know, those like witnesses in a, in some sort of criminal case that go on TV yeah. and they, and they sit in the shed <clears throat> and like an actor does their voice. For some reason, that's what I resemble today uh, on screen. Uh, so <laughs> apologies for that. Maybe some will enjoy the show more because of that. But apologies if if that has not been the case. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll we'll end on that apology, as rare as they are, coming from your mouth. Um, with um, yeah, a message, and just say again, thank you very much for for listening to the Inside Ellen Road Pod. We're going to be back next week with uh, another episode, hopefully uh, reporting on another three points at Ellen Road. But um, yeah, I've been Joe Donoghue, and this has been the Inside Ellen Road Podcast with Graham Smith. Bye for now. Goodbye. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.